Yat A. Hello. Welcome to Real Native Roots Untold Stories, a podcast by a Native woman with deep roots. Hosted by yours truly, Vicki Katsuli Boy Oldman. I am a lover of stories, a connector, and a holder of wisdom keepers. Each month, we will be connecting with our Native relatives and exploring what medicine our guests share and offer to us. Please join me on this uncharted journey to learn, connect, and reflect. Thank you. Good day, good day, good day. Yat a yat a yat a. How are you all doing today? Another beautiful day. And it's still early <laughs> for me anyway. I'm so excited about today's guest and I can't wait to introduce her. That in itself is the first blessing of the gifts that I'll be having. The other is later on today, I have a friend coming to visit who I've not seen since probably four, four years ago maybe. And she's in California and she's coming down here to sweat. So what that led me to this morning is just the beauty of friendship. Having those individuals in our lives is so beautiful. It makes my heart swell sometimes because I do have some really close friends that have seen me before I was a mother to being a mother now. They've seen the growth. They've seen how much I have pushed back, how much I've been working on boundaries, how much I'm actually speaking my voice. Recently, I was talking to a friend and she was saying that it's so beautiful that we get to witness each other and even to just be with each other during hard times, during joyous times. So this morning I was sitting here in gratitude of some of my friends that I have and new friends that I'm creating and exploring their gifts and how we support one another. I just wanted to say thank you to those friends. I know you listen to this podcast. Just want you to know how much I love you and how much I witness you and how much I adore you and that I'm so blessed that Creator brought you into my life. And I look forward to many more journeys with you and you all know who you are. So, Friendship. So if you have a, a friend that you love, that you adore, or several, just give them a love text. Maybe surprise them and call them, send them an email, write a letter, just telling them how much you love them and adore them. You just never know what that can offer them. Poem time. I've been reading poems from this book lately, and it just offers so much wisdom some days I'm really specific and I look for one. And some days I just kind of randomly flip through the page to see what spirit needs me to hear. Today, I was a little bit more intentional given just the friendship piece. But also when I think about our friends, I think about how we show up for them, right? Some days we show up not in our best light and they love us anyway and they support us and they show compassion. And some days we're in a really beautiful, high vibrational state and they may need some of that. The poem that I'm going to read today comes from the book, Wisdom Lessons, Spirited Guidance from an Ojibwe Great-Grandmother, Mary Lines. And the poem that I'm going to read today is called, Be Your Own Teacher for the Day. And it starts like this. There are teachers among us. Be careful what you learn and who you learn it from. 
No one can make you crabby. You do it all on your own. Just know that you mimic others' behaviors by choice. Mm. Today, surround yourself with good teachers, the ones that make you laugh and feel good. Or be the teacher today and spread that good medicine around. Pass out smiles instead of sour facial expression. Tobacco prayers go out to all who need a smile today. Thank you for letting me read that to you. I hope that made you smile. So without further ado, I want to introduce my guest. And guess what? (laughs) The author is our guest. Believe it or not, Mary Lyons at Great Grandmother Mary Lyons is here with us. I was so tickled when I asked her and she said yes. No hesitation. She said yes. And it blows me away some days when I ask people and they say yes. I just think it's all creator doing the work there. So I'm going to have her introduce herself, but I want to tell you a little bit about her. So not only is she an author, she's a speaker, she's a well-respected, kind, grounded, funny as heck. Speak the truth, raw. She's like real raw. I'm not kidding. In a very delightful, funny way and delivers these messages in a way that we need to hear it. We don't have conversations like this enough. Her heart and passion is with our community, the culture, our young people. She's been in the foster care work system for a long time, over 50 years, and been a foster parent herself. She is a mother of nine, a grandmother of 12, a great-grandmother of one, and of course, as I had mentioned, all the foster children that she has touched in terms of their lives. This woman is world-traveling, international. She's been in all these spaces, in the sense of doing the work. Her work is really helping us young people, our elders, our relatives, doesn't matter, to be in a good space of well-variety. She created some global groups, one called Women of Well-Variety International, and that is a 100% volunteer online wellness group, and they gather yearly. She also helped create and co-founded another global group called Grandmothers of the Sacred We. Her focus really is in all sectors, criminal justice, environmental issues, child welfare, is an advocate and really is focusing on bringing families together. She does some work with the missing and murdered Indigenous women and well-renowned speaker. The list goes on and on. I want her to bring her voice in this space. I would love for you to come on, Grandmother Mary, and have the listeners hear your voice. Welcome them all. I said in my language, good morning. My name is Second Water Woman. That's my given name. My English name is Mary Lyons, and I sit in the center of seven generations, and I'm a great-grandmother, so... I enjoy wearing that so well because it reflects my memories of my great-grandparents and remembering when they would speak it. And within that, I would just like to acknowledge the land that I'm on. I am on Dakota land, and I am Anishinaabe Ojibwe. I am First Nations, Anishinaabe Ojibwe on my father's side, and 
as it was imprinted on us, that invisible line was structured for that doctrine delivery of the United States of America. So I am Anishinaabe Ojibwe stateside on my mother's side. That's all I am. And right now I reside in southern Minnesota by surrounded by three Dakota nations. And I'm very honored and I'm very grateful to be residing on their territories. I think that's one thing that's extremely important, you know, within our openings. Most people know when Indigenous people speak, we can just say good morning, but we normally don't say who we are first, unless you're an elder. Normally we would say our genealogy charting, um, we give homage to them of how we got here. And then a lot of young people don't know us when we introduce ourselves and then we speak about our family. We're speaking about seven generations because we hold that balance. And within that balance I speak of is I sat with my mother, my grandmother, and my great-grandmother. And now I sit with my daughter, my granddaughter, and my great-granddaughter. So my great-granddaughter hears the stories of my great-grandmother. And that's why we hold the balance. That's to us being Madewin is that's our Within my lineage line, that's our description of seven generations of how we don't break that link from the past while we move towards the future. We don't drop any of those seeds anywhere and we keep that knowledge here. Does that make sense? I love that you mentioned the seven generation and the span. Recently, I was in a work call. So I feel like creators bringing this message in. And what I loved about how she described that too is how important it is, but the importance of visioning what do we want for our seven generations forward because we're carrying what we know from the past. She basically said that seven generations is about 150 years. Yeah, this is always a real debatable conversation and I always lead out. This is just what we, Madewin, and from our lineage line. So every family has their teachings and they're all right, right? But I think when you begin to reopen that ancestral history, you can't, well, I shouldn't say you can't, you really shouldn't bring forth a responsibility that they're not familiar with. So somebody will say seven generations in front of us. So then we can say, well, you can't look seven generations in front of you until you know the seven generations you came from. You can't make your way up towards the future because we already have the imprinted guidebook in us from our ancestors because we say, I think I told that our creation story is how we had this agreement with creator, a spirit and creator that we would come as a student, walk as a student and leave as a student. And when we came, because my lineage and my day would believe we come from the stars, right? And when we come into this earth, we come into the ocean, the water in our mother's womb, and we swim for up to nine months. Our spirit swims while she fills this beautiful body around us, this blanket. Then we enter and we take that breath, air, and then we feel the warmth, fire, and then we plant our feet and we have residence and we nourish from earth. So four elements just all anything in this planet is made up of. And what happens within this planet is sort of like if you did a Google search on these computers and out there is that 
the information is almost what the responsibilities you accepted to be within this planet of learning, because as being a student, you're to stand in your own space, but that kind of got lost because everybody else is in everybody else's business and not <laughs> taking care of their own hard people anyways. So when we talk about that, for me, if you asked me 150 years of my generation of seven generations expands 150 years, obviously knowing that I'm an elder and my father was born in 1889 and his mother was 52 when she had him and her mother was, they're not too certain, but she was over 50 in the late 1700s. So the late 1700s to here is more than 150 years. So what her lineage like, so the stories that I hear and what was brought to us, even on my mother's side, my grandfather's, is nobody asked the questions. It was unheard of within, at least within my family lineage line, that the women didn't give birth to children until they were older because we all lived a lot older, right? There was no certain thing and we had our plan systems and our responsibilities. Everything that we spoke of, of who we are within our sacred teachings and out there, that's what I say is kind of like a guidebook. People say, oh, no, no you, have a, there, you have guidance of what our purpose is. It's who we are as a people. Because also within our teachings is that we come as caretakers, not landlords. We come as students. We don't come as teachers. And they'll say, well, how do you learn? We learn by sharing, not speaking down to you to make you feel less than of. So you share those stories. That's why a lot of things happen differently because if you noticed, even in the shift within the educational systems, at least for indigenous people, is that when we call them to sit down and we're going to talk, we always do it in a circle because we believe in that equality. And if someone wants to speak, they have a speaking stick or some, they may get permission to speak within the circle of something that's important. Everything is equal. It's not saying this is the way you do it or you're doing it wrong. No, they hear a conversation that may have led to something going wrong, but you bring them back into that circle. Now, the teaching of the format that happens, even in our traditional schooling and this stuff, has adapted to so much of that colonized imprint of what they did is they structure kids, they're lined up and they're still looking at the hierarchy of the teacher and they're wondering why a lot of the children and even the students aren't getting what is being thrown at them because they're not having a conversation of what's going on. So that simplicity of what we're seeing is, it is so difficult to say seven generations ahead, especially if we're not taking care of this planet. This planet might shake us off and say, we're only going to give you four generations. <laughs> So you have to look at those responsibilities of those four elements and why you are the student within living in this short framework of being here on Mother Earth. And you come with us with those seven teachings. And, you know, and those seven teachings for us 
It is courage, honesty, respect, truth, wisdom, love, and humility. And that pretty much fits into everybody's because if you don't have that foundation as holding it as balance, and I'll give you an example, love today. People go, oh, I just love him. Oh my God, I love him. He's my new boyfriend. He's my man. Don't you be looking at him. <laughs> Don't you be looking at her. That's not love. That's lust. And that's control. Love is like you see an old couple and you'll ask an old couple, oh, when did you meet her? Oh, she chased me around. She chased me around 50 years ago. She wouldn't leave me alone. And they laugh together. You know, although he liked me, they tease one another and this stuff. You can feel that energy, that that richness, that's love. Even when you're angry at a child or somebody and you're trying to discipline them, but in that same breath of disciplining, you're going, are you okay now? It always comes with a sternness and it comes back into love to bring them back in to say, I care enough for you and I believe in you and I love you. Versus if you don't get back over and get home instead of taking care of these kids, I'm going to beat your butt to death or whatever it may be, that's control. So we need to get back into who we are as individuals, as indigenous people of our teachings and stay out of those arenas where our feet, our moccasins and who we are as individuals do not belong in. We don't belong in these dark places. We belong in that circle setting of living within this structural world. Right? Some non-indigenous people might say to me, I don't really understand. And I said, well, let me put it to you this way. If you like the electricity you're using for the laptop and the light you're having on or to do whatever you're on, that's, that's the center of it. So what created it? You have to go all the way back around the circle that there's a lot involved and it comes back to you. So if you like it and you don't pay that bill because you have to work and make that money to pay that bill to come all the way back on so it stays on, there's this connection. There's this movement of responsibility. That's how you make life happen. It's not like, I told you to pay that light bill, you know, and going into a dark space of a responsibility that could have been taken care of if you kept that format of that circle learning because that's a responsibility. I have this on here. This is what I got to do. This is things I have to do. I can't live without electricity. See, that's another negative because you can't. The electricity you can't live without is if the sun went away. So you have to really get back to the basics of who you are as a spirit living in this human body, in this space, walking in this world for a short time. Because these, this is life's lessons that are happening. And you're also going to come in this wave of ups and downs and this stuff. And you're going to challenge and reflect these teachings throughout life till you can find an even balance. That was part of that program agreement. You have a choice. You have a choice to maintain that balance and to bring yourself back. You can't blame anybody because it's you have the choice. The choice is that master key to living here, period. Yes. I heard you a couple of times saying like teacher, and it made me think about your book because I appreciated how you structured it 
at the beginning, you do a a very high level, (laughs) very brief introduction about who you are and telling us about your mom, telling us about your dad. I love your dad. He just seemed like he had so much wisdom, like he did a lot of teaching. And even your mom, because I appreciated how your dad would say there are different stories in the book where I see the theme of like, if it's even something that's hard and someone comes at you crabby, don't judge. Your dad said, don't judge. And there's a teaching there for you if someone's coming at you. And I remember you even saying one time that kind of like the purpose of a bully, they're wanting something from you because they don't have it. The other thing I remember your father, I think your father really said this a lot, was don't pity. And so if you don't mind just saying a little bit about your dad, maybe that wasn't mentioned in the book. He just seemed like a really great teacher. And I know that you had even some of your other relatives that you pointed out, like your grandmother, she had shared things that you need to be careful of as well. Yeah. I think listening to the audience too, in our cultures, in the first peoples of these lands, our teachings throughout our, all our tribal systems in that we're all relatives. We have a, our own tribal systems, our own responsibilities, because we say we come as caretakers. We have this responsibility of our territories, of knowing our plants, our trees, our medicines, languages, or whatever it is. That's what makes us, the original people of these lands, extremely colorful. But on the outside territories in this stuff, we're all relatives. The Dene is my relative. You can go from the East Coast to Haudenosaunee, you know, to the Lumbee or whatever tribes there may be, all the way up until Alaska, into Canada. And those are names that is a colonized structure because of that invisible line. Our lands is on the back of Turtle Island. This is who we are and we're relatives. So having said that, and when you make that separateness, such as the outsiders, if you don't understand what we're talking about is that our grandmothers could have been an aunt, could have been a neighbor. She holds the eldership, but because we may not have the blood, the DNA actually running through her system, does not make her less so because we share that humanness, that connection. And we were the people of identifying humans and the right of what their purpose was, instead of decoding them or grouping them. We, in the beginning in this stuff, and it's just been recently because it was embedded and forced in on us when we were hunted like hurdles of animals and putting fences in that there was probably the first structure of boundaries. Otherwise we never knew boundaries other than boundaries beyond responsibility. And that's why we do the land acknowledgement. So I think this is really, really important that foundation has to be spoken of for the outside world, even to a lot of our own relatives because they've been removed or they've lost that understanding, those teachings are not there. Or you can't really say lost. They just kind of went to sleep in them because it's embedded in them. It's in there. They just needs to wake up and then it starts generating. But for the listeners that are non-Indigenous and they're listening to this understanding, they could probably relate to it too. Because one of the things that I wanted to speak about also on your, that I think is really important when you're speaking about foundation and this circle learning of unity is that 
this land is our gardens that creator entrusted us to. And for all the non-Indigenous people, if you know your generation, such as seven generations behind you or seven generations in front of you, this teaching is pretty much worldwide for anybody if they just took a moment to think about it because what happened to us happened to you. We have many within our tribal systems that are just learning their language again. And so you heard Dane and you heard Ojibwe speaking, you know, when we say Mino Gisset. So if we were to ask the non-Indigenous people, how would you say good morning in your native tongue? Most of them would say, well, it's good morning. It's not. It's not. English is not universal. It was embedded in you by a hierarchy mm. and beaten into the world. And your language, too, was stripped from you. Because if your family, if your ancestor was from Sweden or Italy or mm. Asia or whatever it may be, and their native tongues is not, oh, good morning. <laughs> it's not you know yeah. even in Germany good day whatever it may be is that that's when you can connect your relationships to these teachings these teachings of seven generations and the stuff of finding who we are that is our library of knowledge that is our kind of electricity that's our plug-in mm -hmm. that when we go I don't know what you do know it you have to let them know. They'll go on. So, no, you're not dumb. It's going to wake up in you. You just got to believe in yourself. And so you bring these elders or these young people in to remind them because you put so much into their expectations is that you forgot that there are external energy that goes to the front and we're the external energy that goes to the back. And without having that energy, lights out. <laughs> We're back to nothing. So that's why it is kind of, I speak in riddles like this because this is the way my father and my ancestors spoke of because they said, never do as I say. Never walk the shoes I walked in those belong to me. You've seen enough of me to make me smile from a distance. I want to see you grow in your own shoes. Meaning that if we continued to walk in your moccasins, well, mind you, just like new shoes that you love forever, you know, the soul wears out, it breaks apart and falls apart and you throw them away or they're gone, right? They don't want you to think of anything so materialistic where you can touch and feel. It's inside you because you've got to remember it's your spirit that needs to speak because that's the real you. And just another example to the audience when they're listening is, what do you mean by seeing the real you and your body and your spirit? And some of them just won't, you know, they'll go, what, what's the whole lady talking about, right? Alice said, never mind, just listen to me. <laughs> but the thing is, and I use this quite frequently, is like when you first experience someone you're interested in in a real kind of loving way, it, you don't think about it. it. It doesn't happen in your head here. It happens in your stomach. Well, you get butterflies and you get so nervous. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, you just know what to do, right? And, you know, that's you. That's you. And the other flip side of it could be is if you were walking, getting out of a car or hearing something or that there, 
you may externally experience something that is start coming, but it doesn't happen in your head. It happens in your stomach because you feel that fear in your stomach. You get scared and it it's like you can't get this to connect to your head right away until you entrust your stomach like, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And you you feel that because it's in your stomach. That's the center of who you are. And this is what we say. This is your spirit. This is you. This is that spirit that came down. And this is what's making the whole thing function. This is why they say you can heal yourself from within. Your spirit can travel all over if you believe. And you can mend yourself. But there's this whole different universe that's going on. So that that's another rule. <laughs> that's another big long teaching. But anyways, to bring it all back, you asked me about my father and that there. Just what you experienced of what I said is the way he taught us because he believed so much within us as little people to big people to witness the seeds, the spirit seeds that he helped make grow and to continue on. He would never give you the answer. <laughs> Ever, because that was his journey. He wanted to see how well you flourished on witnessing. And that's kind of like one of the other saying was, and it wasn't from my family, but it kind of resonated with me. And this is probably all therapy and from AA and from NA and all of this stuff. They said, you can always tell the type of person you are by the people you hang around with. Mm. And so that resonated with me. And I said, oh my gosh, that's so, my dad here. <laughs> <laughs> because nobody can hold a secret, he'd say. You always tell it right away. You can tell it within your body expressions, your tempo and your rhythm of who you are changing because you always go, how do they know? Does he got eyes in the back of his How does he know? I mean, you're nervous right away because they know. And the thing is, they can read your temperature of your body, your fidgeting or whatever it may be. The main thing is that he could tell was through your energy. And the energy was that spiritual energy because that was the relationships we had. And a lot of them called it all their medicine people or their spiritual people. Well, to the audience and to the world, we're all medicine and spiritual people. We all have that connection. So you can't expect someone to be put on that hierarchy and have them do the work for you, as he would say. You know how to do it. If you're going to put me up on that pedestal, give me the money in your pocket. <laughs> And they go, now you're going to give me my hard-earned money, then stop putting me up there. So the thing is, he had this humor, but he also let us trip and make a lot of mistakes. And then he would never go in and browbeat us even more. He'd say, what did you learn from that? That's it. I can't give you a spanking. I can't yell at you because you already did it to yourself. What did you learn from it? Period. And we'd cry. But the thing is, we had to get it. We were visual learners throughout time. You couldn't say, I got to do it the way this is done. You learn the responsibilities of meaning of why it's done that way. It's not exactly, you don't chop a piece of wood and put it there. There's a whole root of meaning of it. And this is what how they taught you is that you cannot cut a row of trees down or break limbs off and the stuff to start our forest, our, our, our fires within the woods 
seven, eight hundred years ago without somebody finding us because you're doing a map of where we're at. That you have to be conscious enough, also knowing that everything around you is a relative, is that you have to ask them for their gifts for order for us to survive as well as vice versa. We were always in a relationship. So what a lot of people, what do you tell us? He said, didn't know is they go cut trees down when there's a whole bunch of broken branches and wood laying all out the forest. You just clean it up. Mm-hmm. Why do you do that? He didn't understand that. They said it, they break it, you do what it is. He just didn't understand the makeup of this new world was. Even he stayed because he came up from Canada and all the way down and he was younger and he recited passive visible line up to Wisconsin, Minnesota, and after, and they en- ended up in the Leech Lake area where he met my mother. But that was just the way they were because they valued life so much. But he got to remember he, what his teaching and his learning was, was from a mother that was born in the early 1800s. It's a whole different lifestyle. And that lifestyle for him was survival. Mm-hmm. Survival to the fittest. You don't carry abundance. You don't buy abundance. You don't have an abundance in your house. You only take what you need. And you, if you have more, you share it. It was always that way with him. He didn't believe in electricity, even when electricity was there. He didn't believe in refrigeration because it was there. He didn't believe in that. He didn't believe in abundance. He didn't believe in unnecessities because he said that the prophecies are coming to fruitation, coming to light. It's because we fell in those pits that they dug for us, that when we become weak, we will become our own victims of our own breath. And he said, when we're in that time there, he thought he'd never see that. Because the reason I remember sitting him there and him and my grandpa talking in Anishinaabe in Ojibwe, somebody came in and they said, Uncle Charlie, how come you don't turn the lights on? And he shook his head and he kept on talking. That young person later said to me he got it because he had problems with one of his daughters that she was victimized. And she was trafficked. And he said, when you start victimizing those four elements and prostituting them, such as the water, he's selling the water for profit, which was never to be. When you sell the fires, that was never to be. So on, when you sell those four elements, when you block and you sell Mother Earth is to be, you're prostituting it. He would not never surrender himself to that. Mm. But he'd never say, you don't do it. But he said, you know your place. Either you're going to sit in a circle of balance as a student, or you're going to fall into the formation of looking at the hierarchy in schools. I never went to kindergarten. I mean, it was like schools my age wasn't like what they're doing now. But that you're looking at a hierarchy and they're telling you what to do. They're not explaining what it's about and why we do it. They're just telling you what to do. This is what you're going to do and this is what is right. And they fall into it. And it goes all the way into the educational system. He'd say, there's going to come a time when they're going to take your wealth and your worth and they're going to prove to you your own stupidity. Because people live 10,000s of years on the freedom of knowing this knowledge. And we're going to walk into this short time where that dictation and that hovering and that smothering, and they're going to teach us so well to you that you're going to have a hard time digging yourself out. 
because you make that choice to not know the seven generations behind you. So if you don't know those teachings of seven generations behind you, how can you look forward to the seven generations in front of you? Are you going to be bringing forth the seven generations teachings out that hierarchy or within that balance? Does that make sense? Yeah, it just makes me think we've got a lot of a lot of work to do. I don't want to be doom and gloom, but that means I have a responsibility as well to be more intentional about the teachings that I do know to pass that on. I feel like sometimes we've all gotten lazy. It makes me think about what you had said in the book, Our Spirit Asleep. A couple of times you had noted that. Now it makes sense to me when I think about my journey and where I'm at. And I'm like, wow, I was really asleep. And (laughs) slowly I feel like my spirit is waking up because I'm not afraid anymore in the sense of saying what I think, what I feel, being true to who I am, not trying to be a people pleaser. That doesn't work. (laughs) Does not work. And then when you describe when your dad was talking about the pit of the belly of fear. I literally was sitting here. I could feel it. Your father was so wise and just sharing about waking up, no self-pity and just not giving you the answer. I'm like, oh, that's why my grandmother never, because I was always like, how come? Hi, Amy. Yeah. And now, why? And she would say it just this, that is just the way or or she wouldn't respond at all. She would not say anything at all. Yeah. Or she would say, you're not old enough to understand yet. So now I understand why she did that because of what your dad said to you. I think a lot of times too, and I like that what you said, is most elders say, you're too young, you have to wait or whatever it may be. It's a really loving way to say, you'll get it. You lived and breathed around and walked around us enough that you're going to get it. It'll come to you. It's, it's there. It'll wake up in you. And a lot of times when people ask so many questions, you know, like, why, 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 why? That's how that book came about because I think, oh, gosh, every place I go. <laughs> <laughs> you go from here and across, across the world or into New Zealand or wherever it may be, where, go back in time for it, whatever it may be. They ask those same questions. And I was like, oh, my gosh. My heart was not in writing this to put it as a book or to do profit. The thing was, it was to kind of say, buy the book. Or I usually have people and say, you know what, when they ask me here, I'm going to gift you a book. And if it resonates and it feels with you, the only thing I'm asking you to do is to buy 10 books and give it to 10 people that you know you would love to help. These these aren't words like great-grandmother said and this stuff. This is meant for instructions to wake you up, is to remind you. These are just reminders that you have the ability. You have the strength. You have those superpowers in you. And that sometimes you may forget them and you just may read something or whatever it may be. And this is what you want to pass on. Because it, it, it is. It, it's the goodness. And it's for us to really believe in the power of kindness within humanity. It's knowing that we share that one breath and that's air. We breathe it in. That one breath comes from the trees. It comes from the water. We have to really 
think about we are all related. And within that relationship comes kindness. I think one thing I did say with not too long ago, and they just kind of looked at me and I thought, and I was in a, a in a climate or some justice things. I don't know. Sometimes some come to me and I have to just think, oh, I can't listen to this anymore. So I'll kind of <laughs> maybe go to sleep or something. And I'll really pray hard to get, oh gosh, my ancestors, please give me the strength. Please give me the strength. Please let me please be the vessel because I really don't even know why I'm here or why I even came here. Is there something that needs to come forward? And I will really open myself up because I said the conflict with me being in a situation, part of me doesn't really want to be there, but part of me, the responsibility is believing within that old way of how we're all related and how we take care of our gardens and our responsibilities. So there was one time where I said, <laughs> I just stood up and you were just like at the beginning. Oh, here comes that old lady again, right? I said, I'm going to go over to your house and I'm chop all your grandchildren and all your kids' fingers off. I'll start with yours first. And they looked at me like, is this woman nuts? And I said, that's what you're doing to the forest. You're cutting down all those trees out there. You're cutting down all that air. You're cutting all that. The thing was, it was slammed. It was boom. It got their attention. But to see the pain that you couldn't feel and do and to continue and to grow and build is that if you take the fingers off your hands tree, you can still do it. But these have functions, such as the roots of those trees has functions, that trees, those are straws. We all have this relationship. It's that I'm not going to sit within this community and have an agreement with you to create genocides of suicides of something that we need within this air. And some people are so remote within that book knowledge and of future laziness that they're willing to surrender without them even realizing that they're, co they're committing a lazy genocide on our home. You can't do that. Mm. You cannot do that. The laziness, I miss taking spigots and going to the ground. I miss going on to the water and going swimming and drinking that water. I miss eating the organicness of the fish and after not having to worry about whether it's the contamination of the fish fish or the contamination in here, the contamination in the plant life or the contamination. And we've got too much plastic. We got too much this. We got too much that. We got too much unnecessities that if you look around in our planet is that we as individuals created this chaos through laziness. Period. We dismantled our families. We took the hierarchy of looking at somebody telling us what to do and believing it and then plus paying to believe it versus if you sat and just looked within the circle, even of Mother Earth, of your relationship with your trees, the relationship of the sky relatives, the relationship of the water animals, you know, the, of all the relationships of knowing how we are connected because we are all the natural threads of humanity and the existence within this planet. So you can't pick away and create a hole in it. Just like as if you had your favorite sweater and it shredded and it got a hole in it. You don't want it thrown away. You don't. You try to mend it the best way you can. So these are the basic teachings that children and even children within adults, even within old adults, have to sit back within that circle. And they have to experience, they can't 
be told and expected to say this is the way it's done. They have to experience it themselves and have themselves validated by what the beginning instructions were, what even they came. Because I can't tell you what the plant life is way up in Northern Canada or go up and decide to rip and take things off or go up there and mine and take all the sweet grass I want. No, you have to go to their territories and say, you know what? This is what I need. Can you help me out? Then that's there. They can, they can gift it to you because they're not going to just go break it all down. They know what's fallen or what is too plentiful of or whatever it is to keep the picture of our ecosystem beautiful because people go, oh, that's crazy. No, it's not. What is crazy is that we have too many hospitals, too many cancer centers, too many pharmacies. We have too many kids going to the nurse's office with bottles for ADHD and all of this stuff. We have too many liquor stores on too many. We have too much genocide that we create because of easiness and what we think is the right way to be. Oh my gosh. Yes. I appreciate you taking us on this journey of what you miss in that the water from the river eating plants and food right literally off the land without worrying. I remember my grandfather getting a peri dog and cooking it underground and we ate it with no hesitation, but even just the water. And it made me also think about one of the podcasts, this young man, he said his father had said that we have to respect even that virus because it's a living being. When I think about COVID-19, I remember the news media they're saying like the clouds were clearing up, the pollution, animals were coming back out again. Oh, how beautiful is that? And I remember that first month, it was kind of eerie going out. Nobody was out, right? Everybody was in their homes. But what it did to Mother Earth, it, it let her rest just a little bit. And I thought, God, why can't we institute things like that? Why can't we on the weekends, every Sunday, no electricity, get your water pitchers ready for the day and whatnot. But what would the earth look like if we at least stop being lazy and make little changes like that, that can really go a long way. Just, there's so much to unpack with you. I mean, we could probably have a series. <laughs> with that, one thing you're always, I love that you keep bringing in the four elements. And I really believe that spirit is always communicating with us. And when I created this podcast, I was like, I want some kind of music. And at first I was like, I want something kind of upbeat, some kind of music so people know but it wouldn't come. And so one day it was spirit who I believe creator was like, you need to have the four elements. So when you listen to the beginning intro, you hear the, the fire, you hear the water, you hear the wind. And then I have like chimes in there, which represents like the metal of the earth. And then you hear my breath, which is the air. And I did that because I really wanted to bring in those pieces of how sacred they are. And so you talk a lot about that in the book. And then you also talk about, we need to bring balance back. And this sounds like one piece of it of quit being lazy. We need to stop being lazy because we are killing ourselves pretty much. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just say that this last thing. So I, folks, as you're noticing, I keep bringing out this book and I love your challenge or your request, but I I'm going to do that. I love that you said buy 10 books because I bought it for me and I have been reading. And then sometimes I purposely send some a picture of it to my boys. And I think the last time I talked to you, I did a, the thumbing through approach. Wherever it landed, 
was meant for that message for that day, the poem was The Journey Within. That was the one when my son and I were having a really deep conversation. And I said, you know what? I'm getting ready to get on a podcast. I haven't read this one yet. Can you read it to me? He read it and he even got goosebumps. He's like, wow, mom, we were talking about this. He took a picture of it. So I want to give folks this book because it really has helped me and my family. And you always talk about know your worth. So tell us a little bit more about that and see where spirit leads us in that combo. Mm, That's a good one. When little ones, their little spirits come in to those first teachings, when they enter, part of our prophecies are is that you will enter the purest pools of water and you will seek the most taintedest of wells, which means the mother's womb is pure and healthy. And when you come into this world, you'll drink dark water, such as alcohol or whatever it may be. They said, then there will come a time or you'll be born into the most taintedness of wells, and you will seek the most healthiest of waters, which right now is that women, they believe social drinking or whatever it may be, that alcohol is so legal and encouraged throughout the planet that it is the number one perpetrator to much of the darkness that's in this planet. And these little ones are being born in tainted wells, such as if they're drinking in alcohol. And it's just these little bodies are no longer swimming in the purest. So they're not having all their connectors fixed. So they're coming damaged. Their spirits, nothing's wrong with their spirits. Their spirits are beautiful, but their bodies are damaged, right? And now in this prophecy is that we're out. Now we're seeking the most purest of wells, meaning clean, gifted water. This is we're in this time. So knowing your worth, people have to remember it. Is if you were blind, if you couldn't hear, you know, if you were an amputee or whatever it may be, that's just the body. There's nothing wrong with your spirit. So that's knowing your worth. And if you are placed within this challenging blanket, it only means that creator, creation, or whoever you believe to be that hierarchy believes you're the strongest warrior of them all because there is that journey you have to walk in this planet as a student and showing them your strength right there was one meme or something i don't know what you call him there this guy there was this guy eating ice cream and out there and this guy said to him what are you looking at he went over and he knocked ice cream out of his hand and he took out of his hand, out of his back pocket, his wand, his walking, his blind stick. And a guy turned around and he, he goes, oh my God, I am so sorry. But see, that's knowing your worth is that you can't project or you can't surrender to anything that is exterior from your spirit because your spirit guides you. People will go, come on, I'm going to fight you or whatever it is. And you go, no, I'm walking away. Ah, you're chicken, you're coward. No, you're smart. Because they really don't want to fight either. They don't want to fight you. They want to dunk the pain that they're carrying in their backpack of what has happened to them. And they don't know any other way because that was their first teaching. Is that I'm so hurt, so I'm going to hurt somebody else. Hurt people, hurt people. Versus that individual of walking away. And that's why we say you 
don't attack the person, you attack the negative within the person and around them. So knowing your worth is your value, is being that student here of how much you're going to move through life as intended, or to jump into other people's business and try to tell their stories and try to tell them what to do when you don't even know what to do because <laughs> you're not in your own space. My goodness, we have so many, we have nine out of 10 people that do that. And here's the saddest thing about it. Even that one person out of the 10 people will you'll do it every now and then because I'm one of them. I don't think it, well, who do you think you are? Crack myself in the head and go, oh my God. So I mean, but that's part of being human. So knowing your worth is why would you want to go buy a beautiful meal that you really enjoy eating, right? And then just start knocking it off and throwing it all over the place and then not there. But we do it every day. To know your self-worth is to sit there and to enjoy that. And that's self-care. It's just being like you did in the beginning. Let's just ground ourselves. But that grounding goes beyond. It's in that breath. You can eat your breath will even tell you the mood you're in. You know, when your kids come in, it's always in that breath. Yeah. This is why elders and knowledge holders know that. Well, how do they know that? Everybody knows it. It's just that we haven't forgotten it. We're not better than anybody else. <laughs> We're all the same. And we sit in this circle. We remind people that we are of the oneness. And we're of these four elements and everything is beautiful and everything. So you have to know your worth in this time. And it's not, hey, you know, with the, I had to tell this to my granddaughter the other day, you know, oh, I'm not with the popular group. And I said, how sad. Some people that have to be so popular are just trying to be seen and heard and trying to find their way. It's the group of funny people and the brainiacs. I love you being with because you're going to shower the world with hope. Period. Love it. Thank you. All right. Three more things. I remember you saying we're going to be learning until we leave this plane. We're always going to be learning. So I'm curious, great grandmother Mary, given where you're at right now today and looking at your history and where you're at, what are you learning about yourself now? Gosh, you know what I'm learning about myself right now is to appreciate eldership. When they say, ma'am, can I help you? Or can I get you that food and this stuff? I'm sitting here thinking, now this is really the icy. <laughs> <laughs> but knowing me, I always say, oh, no, I can get it. Because I always feel that as long as my legs are working, I can do it. Mm. You know? Because my eldership might be in a child that's in a wheelchair, that I don't think that first meal needs to go to me, that this elder can go get the meal and take it to the child in the wheelchair. That's so beautiful. You see, that has nothing to do with the hierarchy of learning. It has to do with humility and kindness in those seven teachings. And individuals need to understand that. Yeah. You know, even when those young kids will make meals to give it to an elder, you don't know if there's a child that was left there that were hungry or you don't know what their life's about, but they're starving and you can find them because you can see them in the crowd. They just want that food go by or they want to run up there. I always believe feed the one that's the hungriest, not don't do it out of respect. Yes, absolutely. I love that. 
So in your book, I love the pictures of you. I just love your spirit and your energy. Can you tell us the symbolism of your hat or your well, your wearing? Well, I have to do a hat teaching too. I'm gonna... <clears throat> it's well, of course, it's pretty modern day. A lot of my hats and the stuff has mirrors on it. I have so many hats, and it depends on where I'm going. This is blue. It's kind of like my water hat. And it's teachings, and they ask you, and, and it's introductory to tell you where it is, but where it originated from is being Madewan and Anishinaabe, and way back, because I knew my father in the 1800s, and he told me of his mother, and that there, I, he gave me the gifts of her old deer hide that they would wear the things and ties around, ties around their head, and they would use the straps of their cradle board, that the cradle board they would so it wouldn't cut into their head and they would carry it for the straps from the logs or the food from the food bags and the stuff. And then he would take the remnants of twisted of old furs and the stuff and put it on the head. And it was to cover your third eye to not be so open. But it was this is mainly the identification to honor our grandmothers of all the women that walked before us, of their household and what they did to get us to where we're at now. Because if you see some of those elders in the stuff, there's some old pictures that are carrying bundles of wood and they have it tied here. Or if they're cradle boards, or even the young girls have it on. There's so many stories because if you have it, they even have drops in the back of the traditional or traditional regalia out there is that our headbands in this stuff will have responsibility long straps in the back might be braided or be braided and there was ropes knots in them right not here not here so if danger came your responsibility for that grandmother and those for other kids that when you would pull them you would pull forward if there was one missing you'd know who was missing and you could call out you know animal or to find out and if they go back there there or otherwise you know they've fallen so there's whole responsibility within that. And speaking with other elders that have walked on, I noticed that was pretty common throughout, just not the Eastern, you know, the Turtle Island Anishinaabe people, the stories way back and then, but it was pretty much knowledge throughout many tribal systems in that there. Because we can ask them, why, you know, what is the drop about? Or what is this for? There's always a historical connection of why we do. And because of the women being knowledge holders in this stuff, this year is also a reminder to remind us of our humbleness of who we are. And all it was before was just a deer hide or a buffalo hide, any bear fur or rabbit fur in this stuff and kept our head. But, but it's always open on the top because it's our central energy points from here into the bottom of our feet. I don't know if you guys do it, but in our burials, we always had this opening so our spirits could travel through. So it's a lot of, it's a lot of teachings here, but some of those teachings I can't, or I can't, but we shouldn't, but I choose not to speak anything on mm -hmm. tape. Those are close ceremonial teachings, but that's just a little bit of reference to what it is, but there's a huge, teachings of our survival of who we are yes 
Yes. Thank you for that. And I appreciate you also just verbally saying there are just certain things that are meant to be in a sacred space. I think we need to honor that in all our tribal communities and be mindful about what we're sharing. And so I appreciate you mentioning that. Grandmother Mary, I love you. Thank you, love you too. for sharing. Thank you for your generous time and and being with us all. I know that I can find you now when I see you in a couple of weeks. I'll just look for the hats. <laughs> well, it's great. You're coming to D.C. I'm coming yeah. to D.C. and I get yeah. a hug from you. So I can't wait yeah. to see you there. I, yeah, I really meant what I said. I just am blessed that I get to hear from you and other folks who've been on here and have you all share your medicine and your stories. I really hope listeners that you take something from this. And Grandmother Mary, I would love for you to just close by offering to our listeners one word of wisdom, one thing that you want them to take away with, and then we'll sign off. Mm. I'm going to smudge prayer. I say every day, I'm just going to close with that. And I'm saying thank you, Creator. We want your hands in the sweet smoke so that we make be constructive and reach out to others in a good way, for this is the courage with, that was bestowed on us. We bring the smoke over our heads and down our backs to lighten our troubles and bring clarity for purpose. For this, we will continue to move in honesty. We smudge our eyes so that we can see good things in people and learn from them. For this, we move with respect. We smudge our mouths so that we will speak good things to people and to learn to choose our words carefully. For this, we must not forget about truth. We smudge our ears so that we will listen carefully to others, learn from what they say, and become someone they want to talk to. For this, we share our wisdom. We bring the smoke towards us to surround our hearts so that what has been damaged can heal and what pain is to come will help us be strong and grow in a good way. For this, we will continue with unconditional love. We wash our feet in the smoke so that we may walk a path full of purpose, compassion, balance, and kindness as we move slowly and steadily with humility. May the smoke wash over each of us, collect our messages of gratitude, and gather our worries. Let them rise up to the sky world. May our ancestors see we have lived with good intentions while we are here. Mm. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Mwah.